Good morning. It is a pleasure and an honor to be invited back to uh, be with my church family here at Conyers first day. I am delighted particularly as we begin the season of Advent. Thank you. However, I will have a bone or two to pick with Chris when I talk to him <coughs> because not only did he invite me to preach from the Old Testament, but now Dr. Byron Thomas is here, the district superintendent. He's got his notebook out, and he's going to take notes, and uh, I'm not sure I'm prepared for that. Uh, it, you know, I'm just not sure, but we will see. We will see. Kathleen, I don't mind preaching in front of her, but I'll tell you what, it, things work out for the good. All things work together for the good for those who love the Lord. My daddy had that on his shaving mirror my entire life. You know, Chris, they say turnabout is fair play. Chris had been here approximately an hour and a half when I sent him a text message and said, welcome to Conyers first. Uh, I'm Daryl Huckabee. You haven't met me. I'm on the board of directors at Salem Campground. And Wednesday is the day that Conyers' first preacher does morning watch. So I'll see you at 7 o'clock. He didn't have anything to do but show up, so I know he was saving this for me. But I've already approached Dr. Thomas and invited him to be the preacher of the week at Salem in a couple of years. So we'll, you know, everything has a purpose. Shall we pray? Eternal God. We thank you, thank you, we thank you for allowing us to gather here today to worship you in honor and truth. Over the next few minutes, dear God, please empty your servant of himself. Fill me with the word that you would have ears hear. And if through the voice of a man they hear not, May through Holy Spirit, may all of our hearts touch, our souls be nourished. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, whose celebration of birth waits. Amen. Well, today, as I alluded to, the scripture is from Jeremiah, and the study is from Jeremiah. Uh, you know that you're a true theologist, theologian, if you can hear the word Jeremiah, not think of three dog night. Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. He was a prophet. He was an Old Testament prophet, uh, a major prophet of the Hebrews, particularly the southern kingdom of Judah. For years and years and years, Jeremiah shared the truth of God and his personal life and his feelings. Jeremiah wrote the book of Jeremiah and is credited with writing 1 Kings and also Lamentations. Through Jeremiah, we will learn that telling the truth is not always easy. You remember the movie, A Few Good Men, 
remember the Jack Nicholson right at the end. You all know what he said. The truth you can't handle. In Jeremiah's day, a lot of people did not want to hear the truth. The truth will set you free, but the truth got Jeremiah put in prison because the powers that be did not want to hear the truth that he was delivering. The enemies of Israel, the enemies of Yahweh, couldn't handle truth. So in the short term, it did not set Jeremiah free. It got him locked up, as I said, uh, and it's from prison that he wrote the passage that we're going to look at today. Now, Jeremiah was alive in the reign of King Josiah around 625 B.C. So to give you some emphasis, some, some perspective, that's about the same amount of time before Christ that Columbus made his voyages to what the Europeans called the New World. So that's how far he was before Christ uh, when he was speaking the prophecies that God had given him about the coming of Christ. Jeremiah was of the tribe of Benjamin. And he was called by God to warn the people of the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of Solomon's temple. Or in 587, was guided by God to proclaim that the nation of Judah would suffer famine, foreign conquest, plunder, and captivity in a land of strangers. You can understand why his message was not well received. The people of Israel, people of Judah, were suffering during the time of Jeremiah. It was hard times. Hard times that were deserved because the people of God had turned away from the instruction Think about what I'm saying. The people of God, the people that accepted God, God's chosen people. I'm not talking about the heathens. I'm not talking about the people who had rejected God from the get-go. I'm talking about God's own people had turned away from his instruction. They were following their own path. They were living lives themselves, not to please God. Jeremiah was said to have been appointed to reveal the sins of his people and the punishment come. Jeremiah's message was a message of repentance. While Jeremiah was prophesying the coming destruction, he denounced a number of other prophets who were prophesying peace at any cost. There have always been false prophets. You know, times change. But human nature doesn't change, and the Word of God doesn't change. Everything we see 600 years before the birth of Christ in human nature, we can see today. This very day, 
God's people are turning away from him to look for a way that pleases themselves. We are doing that even today. We are seeking false prophets who will tell us what we want to hear. Okay, your life is fine no matter how you want to live it. Universalism. I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, but that way is not God's way. There were false prophets who advised that the people of Israel should accept the teachings of Baal, to go along, to get along. Again, that peace at any price was better than subjugation. Don't take my word for it. Go home and read the book of Jeremiah. You know, I was privileged to teach school for 40 years. I taught history, but I told my students, don't take my word for anything that I'm going to tell you. Go back and read the original document. Study other sources. Make sure that I'm not leading you astray. Make sure that I'm not telling you something that's not true. If you believe everything that comes out of my mouth, that's putting way too much faith in me. Go and read the book of Jeremiah. You can do it in about the same time that it would take to watch an episode of Yellowstone on television. See for yourself that what is past prologue. But today's lessons are not about the coming wrath. Jeremiah preached and prophesied about the wrath to come to those who did not repent. Sam Jones said it in a different way. He said, quit your meanness. Jeremiah's lesson for today is rather a message of hope. I love the scriptures, the Psalms uh, today, 130. Who among us could survive if God remembered our sin? Not me. Hope is a good thing. Hope is maybe the best thing. And no good thing ever dies. You know who said that? Hope is a good thing. Perhaps the best thing. No good thing ever dies. The great theologian read. Shawshank Redemption said that. We're going to be singing O Holy Night over the next four weeks. There's a great line in that great hymn. The thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Hope. Jeremiah wrote in chapter 29, which is not the, the scripture for today, but I'm going to get to the scripture for today. Don't worry. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Praise God because of the Christmas season that we are now entering upon the Advent season. We have hope. Emily Dickinson, great poet, said hope is a thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Desmond Tutu said hope is being able to see that there is light despite the darkness. Bernard Williams said there was never a night or a problem that could not defeat sunrise and hope.
Jeremiah offered the people of Judah hope. Jeremiah offers us today that same hope. Now, as we get into the day's scripture lesson, let's look at some context. The passage we are looking at today came about when Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon, and his army was advancing on Jerusalem. Jeremiah had been thrown in prison, as I said, by King Zedekiah for prophesying that this was going to happen. Jeremiah told the king, the Babylonians are going to come, they're going to take over Jerusalem, they're going to destroy Jerusalem, they're going to destroy the temple, and Zebediah did not kill the messenger, but he put him in prison. Now hear the word of God as proclaimed by his prophet. I'll begin with Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 1 through 3. And there's a reason I want you to hear the prelude. When Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the guard, was still in prison, the word of the Lord came to him a second time. This is what the Lord said, He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me, and I will answer you, and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. This sets the table. It shows us, now, now, now get this. You know, a lot of times, too often, I feel a lot of us, me included, come to church to get it over with. We're going to go, we're going to sing the songs, we're going to hear the good word, we're going to go home. But I want you to understand. I want you to hear this with brand new ears as if you've never heard it before. I want you to be reminded this is God Almighty speaking to us. This is the Word of God. It's a gift to us so that we can understand His nature. Jeremiah writes, This is the Lord who created the heavens and the earth. This is the author of life. This is God. This is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is God speaking. If Daryl Huckabee were up here speaking, or even if Jeremiah the Weeper were up here speaking, okay, maybe we don't have to listen so closely. But these are the words of God. The Bible tells us that this is what God wants us to know. Chapter goes on to tell about the destruction of Jerusalem and the attack of Nebuchadnezzar. The people of Israel were in a bad way. It was hard times, understand. Look at this in the context of today if you want to. There was famine in the land. There was plague and disease. The government had let the people down. There were false prophets telling them to do whatever it takes just to get along. There was probably runaway inflation, probably crime, probably a supply chain issue. It was hard time. There was meanness. People were worried. People were in despair. People were afraid. People couldn't sleep at night worrying about their grandchildren and the future generations. That is the context of 625 years before the birth of Christ. But the Lord God, the creator of the universe, said through his prophet, 
starting in verses 10 and 11 now. This is what the Lord says. Again, not my messenger, a prophet, messenger of God. This is what the Lord says. You say about this place, it is a desolate waste without people or animals. They had had famine. They had had drought. Yet in the towns of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, that are deserted, inhabited by neither people nor animals, there will be heard once more the sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good, His love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, said the Lord. That is good news, and we can take it to heart today. It's been a hard season in our country. We have lost our way. We have allowed people to divide us. We have forgotten to keep the main thing the main thing. And even those who are God's people, those who have accepted Christ, are, are despondent. We're losing our way. We are filled with despair and worry and sorrow and grief. But God promises there will be a better day. God will not forsake us. That was his promise to the people of Judah through Jeremiah. That is his promise to us today. He will never forsake us. We have hope. And the symbol of that hope came to us in the form of God himself incarnate in a lowly stable in Bethlehem, the least of the cities of Judah. And we're going to celebrate that magnificent, miraculous birth in just a few weeks. Continue to hear what Jeremiah says, verses 12 through 15. Again, I love that he's always saying, this is not me. This is what the Lord Almighty said. In this place, right here, in this very place, desolate, and without people or animals, in all its towns, there will again be pasture for shepherds to rest their flocks. In the towns of the hill country, of the western foothills, and of the Negev, in the territory of Benjamin, in the villages around Jerusalem, and in the towns of Judah, flocks will again pass under the hand of the one who counts them, says the Lord. I love it when God, through the Bible, talks about the flock and the shepherd. He alludes to that constantly. Some of us have been so blessed to have been to the towns and the hillsides around Jerusalem. We've been in the shepherd's field. We've been where the shepherds tended their flock. And, of course, Jesus was the good shepherd. 
so we know why we continue to use God continues to use that analogy this was 625 years before the birth of Christ but at the time of the birth of Christ prophecy had been fulfilled there were shepherds watching their flocks by night the whole behold angel of the Lord came upon them behold Christ is born and now here's the payoff here's the crux of the whole passage verses 14 and 15 title of the sermon behold the day coming think about it think about it in the context of desolation and despair the hope uh, I love poetry and I've learned a lot of poems when I was a little boy just for the pleasure of it and my wife and children think it's really strange but sometimes when I'm riding down the road I'll turn off the radio and just recite poetry to myself because I find comfort in it but one of the poems I learned was Casey at the Bat and the author of that poem talks about the hope which brings return. And that's the same hope that Jeremiah is talking about. There's hope. Behold, the days cometh when I will fulfill the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. Things were bad in the time of Jeremiah. In some ways, things are bad today. Things are bad in this country, we think, in a lot of ways. I've been blessed to have traveled over the whole world. Things are so terrible. Things could be better, but they're so good in this compared to other places in the world. But no matter what the situation is, no matter where you are, financially or spiritually, hope comes. Because God has promised that he will fulfill the promises. In those days and at that time, hear this, you don't have to read the note, I will make a righteous branch about from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. Those days Judah will be saved. There's going to be a righteous branch. We're going to restore the house of David. Jesus, the righteous branch that sprung from Jesse's root from David's line. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. That's why Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem, because David's lineage was going to be restored. Jeremiah proclaimed that Jesus would come. It's Advent. Today marks the first Sunday of Advent, a time of preparation for the coming of the Christ child. We getting ready. You're going to hear that so many times over the next four weeks. 
Are you ready? You ready? Are you ready for Christmas? A lot of times people are going to be asking, house decorated, got all your food, baked all your pies, made all your party mix. Boy, I've been getting ready all this weekend. I couldn't even stand it. I put up my tree already. I made party mix already. I'm getting ready. But that's not the question that we need to be asking. That question needs to be, is your heart ready for Jesus? Behold, he is coming. You know, Jeremiah was talking about the first coming here. He was letting people know that there's hope because the Messiah is coming. But I think he was also referring to the second coming as well. And Jesus is coming back, y'all. We don't know when or where, but we do know that he's coming back. He came to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, and we will rightfully celebrate that event because he brought salvation to the world. But remember, he's coming. And that gives us hope. I hope that gives you hope. If you've accepted him as your Savior, it gives you hope. We don't have to live in doubt. We don't have to live in fear. The doubts and fears of all the years were met in him that night. We don't have to fear tomorrow. We don't have to fear death. Jesus is the hope that brings eternal for those who receive him. Christmas is not a hope. Christmas is a promise, a covenant guarantee. So I know that we're going to be busy, busy, busy. we got parties to do. We've got celebrations family, uh, we've got gatherings, thank goodness that we're going to have gatherings this year, but let's remember that our hearts need to be pure to see Christ. I would like to offer that if there's anybody in this room today that has not accepted Christ, not certain of your salvation, then we are altar open, and you can come forward and receive him very day. And if you haven't received Christ, and you do, this will be the best Christmas. And if you have received Christ, I urge that you think about the words of Jeremiah, behold the day is coming. Let us embrace that hope this Christmas and let us share the hope. We're busy buying Christmas presents. We've got angel trees. We've got guest lists. We've got gifts for our family. I would encourage you to find someone this Christmas and give them the best gift they'll ever receive. Maybe we could find someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ and give him them the good news, the joy of salvation. Shall we pray? Almighty God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this hour. We thank you, church.
thank you more than anything for the gift of salvation of Jesus Christ for while we were yet sinners Christ died thank you O Lord for that precious gift the gift of eternal life gift of eternal hope now as we continue to prepare for the Christmas celebration. Help us to find time to remember the reason this Christmas. Let us celebrate the true meaning of Christmas in our hearts. May we share the spirit of Christmas and the love of Christ with all those we encounter. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen.